Thank you very much, all those on the platform, and I want you to open <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3, and then also Luke chapter 4, Matthew 3 and Luke 4. Um, I've been reading a book, which I'm slowly getting through, it's called The Nearly Perfect Crime, and it was written by an ex-Catholic priest. And uh, it's how the healing ministry of the church was almost extinguished. He gives a historical account um, up through the third century. It was alive and well, but then there are many different factors that entered in. And so he, he made a statement. He said that he was committed to helping people. He talks about during his, his days as a Catholic priest. That he was committed to helping people, he says, and because I was a sympathetic listener, all kinds of people came to me for spiritual direction. He says, the truth was that most patients were helped to cope with their problems without actually being healed. People that were the most hurting seemed to be the ones that no one, neither psychiatrists or anyone else, could really help. What he was voicing was his own ineptness, that he realized that, wait a second, there's something missing here. Now, this was years before the Catholic priest moved into a Protestant setting, and he came to the realization that the power of God, and specifically the healing ministry, was missing in his life and in so many other of the clergy life. Now, as Christians, we are no more than spiritual psychologists or psychiatrists if we're not functioning in the power of God that changes and delivers people. Just go get a psychiatrist then. I had to tell somebody on the phone yesterday, look, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm a pastor. If you want someone to emote with you, go and lay on somebody's couch. But I'm here to tell you the truth and to help you. When John the Baptist came on the scene and, and began to aggressively confront the issues of people's lives, he began with religious hypocrisy and he preached one that is coming in Jesus that will once again introduce the power of God. Now every life, and I'm speaking to you so every life here, has root causes and root issues. There are reasons we're the way we are. We deal with the things we deal with. There are reasons. There are root causes. And often it is people not letting the Word of God go deep enough into our lives to cut the root issues. And the result is people stay bound. I want you to hear me. For some, they stay sick in their bodies. Others go very long periods of time with little to no change taking place in their lives. Remain dysfunctional. Always dealing with the same issues over and over again. Spiritual bondages that are often not being broken. And there are far too many that are sitting in church and they're simply coping with life and life's problems, but not finding and living in the victory that Jesus promised 
and in the healing and deliverance that God offers. And so I want to bring you to task tonight of where you are in this. Because, it, you know, it can be a wearying attempt at pastoring if, if we as pastors are not careful. That we can be becoming no more than psychologists and psychiatrists. Just trying to meet the emotional needs of people. But we need the power of God at work and we need deliverance. But it's not just somebody laying their sweaty palm on you. But there's a, there's a cooperation. And I want to preach to you about getting to the root. And let's read these two texts. Matthew 3, beginning in verse 8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. <clears throat> and do not think to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. In other words, they'd become totally religious. It wasn't even real in their lives anymore. They were just claiming old traditional things. So even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Over to Luke 4, verse 18. Jesus is speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. I want to preach on getting to the root. And I want to first talk about the complexities of our humanity. Now both John the Baptist... And Jesus come onto the scene and they begin to pinpoint these deep issues in humanity. John enters the scene where repentance had not been preached for several hundred years. It was when God had a man that was his spokesman. He was bringing this message, but this message had fallen to the wayside. So he comes onto the scene and immediately begins to engage this message He begins to confront some very deep-rooted issues in the spiritual and religious climate of the day. The Bible says here in the text in Matthew 3, verse 8, He says, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And in verse 10, And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So here, John comes with this aggressive action, this aggressive type of preaching that it took to break through and prepare people's hearts for Jesus to come on the scene because they hadn't heard this for a long time. Their hearts had not been dealt with deeply by God and all manner of their humanity is coming to manifest. And John comes on the scene and begins to come with his confrontational preaching And then comes Jesus, and he highlights the demonic bondages associated with humanity, and he does this by pointing out the nature of his own ministry. He says that he has sent me, God has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So he he lays it down that I've come uh, with this miracle ministry and this would be uh, the beginning uh, of what the New Testament church would be. But the sin condition of humanity is very complex. You know, when sin entered the scene, it really scrambled the human element and a curse was released upon humanity that there's no human entity that is able to deal with this, though they try. Out of the fall with Adam and Eve came the murder of Abel by his brother Cain. So jealousy and envy were released into the human experience, and once it was acted upon, something far deeper was then loosed in humanity. The devil hijacked one event after the other to further the curse of sin upon the earth and upon humanity to where every door of sickness and disease, emotional disorders, rebellion, every sort of problem that plagues the Humanity was now not only open to demonic intrusion, but is now driven by demonic influence. This is what we're dealing with. This is the condition, the complexity of our fallen humanity. And society has tried to compensate for the extreme unfolding of sin. And today it's full-blown. They've thrown every type of pharmaceutical drug at the problem. They're pumping out psychologists, uh, sociologists, and every other type of shrink to combat the problem. They're coming out of our universities in, in fast fashion. Add to all of this the things that people have been through in life and the violations from one human being to another, and we have an absolute mess on our hands. And if we think somehow that we're going to, to weed our way through this through some, some wisdom of our own, we're, we're sadly mistaken. Because we're talking about a very complex situation on our hands. When Jesus entered in, in the first century, he's dealing with this and even more because there had been nothing preached. All sorts of demonic possessions and all manner of craziness going on. And he comes in and and he makes this proclamation. I am here to bring deliverance. And we're absolutely foolish to think that we can address these things and help these people with anything other than the power of God to set them free. You know, it all still begins where John's ministry began. And that is with a very clear call to repentance. And let me talk secondly about getting to the root. You know, we're getting more and more afraid of preaching on repentance today. People are afraid to deal with people's sin or even when it is done, you get all sorts of backlash. That's that's just a demonic uprising. Because what I see is when John the Baptist came and he began to deal with these root issues in people. And and mind you, you know, we get this kind of utopian view of John's ministry and and what he really came and always baptizing the Lord. That's not what it was at all. The problem is that John's approach 
upsets people. Specifically, it upsets people who are looking for an emotional connection or who are looking to maintain a victim's mentality and blame others for how you are. It just upsets them. John did not emote with people. He simply called them to deal with their issues of sin and repent. So Jesus came and he made clear what his mission was to humanity. It was to set the captive free, to which he said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And we quote that all the time. But the truth is not always what people are looking for. True. But once truth is preached, you become responsible for what you do with that truth. So John came and he established a dividing line. Now this was an important part of his ministry. In Matthew 3.10, in our text, And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. You know, we live in the generation, we don't judge people. Who are you to judge? Well, it's very simple. But there's fruit to being saved. Right? There's fruit over time. And John came and said, look, you've been living this way outside of the voice of God for all this time. He comes in and begins to bring the word of God. And he says, what's going to happen if you don't respond to this is it's going to be like the axe laid to the root of the tree and it's going to cut it down. Now, the Bible is very clear on this subject. Jesus himself picked up on the message that John had established. Here's Jesus. He's baptized in the Jordan. And immediately the Bible says he's led into the wilderness for 40 days, tempted of the devil. And if you ever noticed, the very first thing that he came out of that wilderness preaching in Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've spent the last couple of days trying to facilitate without becoming a psychiatrist. A very emotional person. A very emotional male person. And it culminated when my pastoral side got the best of me. And I had to point out that, you know what you need? You need to repent. And if you're not willing to repent, I'm done counseling you. <laughs> what? You did what? Yeah, because it's, it's, it's a useless, trivial thing if at some point it becomes the reality. They're not looking to repent. They're not looking to really get things right. They just want to play this charade with you. Think about Esau. He was a man that had some deep issues in his life. It was his extreme carnality that caused him to forfeit the blessing. So he makes this horrible value judgment. And what does he do? He gets upset with God. That'll do you a lot of good. You are the bonehead that makes the dumb decisions, and then you're going to get mad at God. 
But let's read the account. Genesis 4, 4 through 7. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. So Cain was very angry. His countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Listen to what he says. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God gets to the root of Esau's issue, right? So here's Esau. He's upset at this. You know, God's God. If God didn't accept something, then something wasn't right about it. He's upset. We know he goes on to murder his brother over this. But let's look at the New Testament record of this. Hebrews 12, 16 and 17. Unless there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright, it's amazing the small amount will trade off the things of God for it. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So the issue of Esau was not that he was wronged, or God is not fair. We love to throw that word around, it's not fair. But Esau was a very carnal man, that lived a carnal existence, and it all caught up to him after he acted upon that, lost something very valuable, and then he becomes angry. It is amazing what people will settle for in their lives instead of repenting and getting right. Want to hold on to all these issues and all this dysfunction in their lives. Won't let it go. And what a scary prospect that you can become like Esau that sought it diligently with tears but couldn't find it. That's a scary prospect. And I would say that there are a good portion of God's people that have just settled. Settled for instability. Settled for playing the blame game. People have settled for resentment, bitterness, anger, and hatred rather than getting it right and doing right. You know, all Esau had to do was truly repent. That's all he had to do. God even told him, look, if you do right, will you not be accepted as well? Well, it's still true today. Nothing has changed in, in God's way of doing things. All sorts of people running around upset about this and angry about that. Wait, let's let's get to the root of the issue. All, all the emotions and stuff are, are quite a distraction. Let's let's clear all the smoke. Have you repented? Because that's really the issue. So John, as the forerunner, was more than just being there to baptize Jesus. But John's intensity and his radical call to repentance softened the spiritual climate for Jesus to come in and begin a miracle and deliverance ministry. And this was supposed to be, at the beginning, a miracle and deliverance sermon. 
it kind of took a turn on me. I said, well, I guess that's the turn the Holy Ghost is taking. It wasn't in my mind, but I still want to kind of go there. So here Jesus is going to come on the scene. These people are ravaged with dysfunction and disease and all manner of psychological issues. And Jesus comes and he begins to bring deliverance and salvation and people are set free. But this was made possible because of this message of repentance. That's why it was made possible. As long as people are holding on to their issues and not getting to the root and not willing to change, then you're going to begin to see a level of dysfunction and torment and oppression settle into your life, and you're not going to get rid of it until you're willing to repent. So contrary to what a lot of churches preach today about Jesus, and I don't know how they miss the real picture, but it's just willful ignorance. But he continued that call to repentance as a condition in which he is able to move and change people for God. And make no mistake that John's call and proclamation about laying the axe to the root of the tree and cutting it down and casting it in the fire, he was bringing a level of judgment. So, so John's ministry had this element of judgment to it. And even further into Jesus' ministry, because then John said that then Jesus will come and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor, gather the wheat, but the chaff will be cast into the fire. In other words, that that didn't conform, that was just uh, loosely there, never attached to uh, people like that. So, so make no mistakes that, that there was this, this proclamation of judgment and God was bringing this level of judgment because the seriousness of God had to come upon people in order to prepare their hearts for God to now begin to move and the ministry of Jesus to begin to enter in among them in miracles and signs and wonders and the power of God that we've made available to humanity. So many people, they come and go, come and go. Nothing is changing. Nothing is being resolved. The issues that were a year ago are still the issues today. The resentment, the, the conflicts, they're still there. The problem I submit to you is a lack of repentance. The bottom line is that God is out to get to the root of people's lives and bring total, true repentance so that He can in turn bring true, total deliverance, healing, and restoration. That's what God wants to do. You don't need to go to a psychologist for that. You don't need to get on all sorts of medications and drugs because you can't handle your emotions. What you need is deliverance. But deliverance will not come without true repentance. People are coming to church. They're desperate, but they're not desperate enough to stop fornicating. <laughs> not desperate enough to stop doing drugs. Repentance breaks all those curses. If we were to have a testimony service right now of how many are sitting here that you came, got saved, went to an altar, and were radically 100% delivered, never to touch again another drug in your life. There's a lot of them here. Because that's what Jesus does. Then why do we see so much less of that? Because people are not repenting. They're looking to the psychologists of the day and the smiley face preachers and everyone else uh, that'll tell them what their itchy ears want to hear. But when the message of John the Baptist comes, uh, they shrivel up and get angry. 
So let's just talk about experiencing wholeness. Because again, I say that far too many of God's people have settled in life. Settled for far less than God has in mind to do in your life. Far less. Jesus came proclaiming in verse 19 the acceptable year of the Lord. What Jesus was saying, it is now time to visit humanity and bring healing and deliverance. It's now time. From that time forward, it was consummated on the day of Pentecost. It is now still the mission of the church of Jesus Christ to get people delivered. Delivered, set free. Break the spirit of oppression. Healed in their sick bodies. Their minds brought back to wholeness again. Their emotions settled down. And Jesus summarizes again the heart of his ministry In Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recover His sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed. And I dare to say there are quite a few probably oppressed in this place tonight. But Jesus wants to set you free. A lot of people sit in our churches that are not whole. They're afflicted, they're tormented, oppressed, homes and marriages in disarray. And in many of these cases, I believe it comes down to people who have just settled for their current situation. And God is saying, I have come to bring radical change and radical deliverance. That is what the ministry of the gospel brings. That is what it represents. You no longer have to stay bound. If you're staying bound, it's because you want to stay bound. If you're not getting free of your drugs and your psychological problems and all that, it's because you're not wanting to be. Because when you repent and turn to God and throw yourself at His mercy, a miracle takes place. Deliverance takes place in people's lives. If your marriage is not getting any better and you're both saved, it's because somebody there is not being a Christian. Amen. It's the old saying of the old preacher. If you can't say amen, just say ouch. In some cases, it's a simple lack of true repentance. We'd rather go through hell, be filled with torment and instability, rather than repent and lose control of your life to Jesus and actually have to judge your sin, (laughs) actually have to forgive. You know, I bet you if we took a survey and people were really honest... That that would be the leading reason that you don't really repent because you don't want to forgive. There's another great space. Amen or ouch. You love me too. Just don't want to forgive. Don't want to let go. You, you like being a spiritual bully. You, you like throwing temper fits and anger tantrums and all that because it's your way of controlling people. How about repenting? That's a novel idea, huh? It seems to me today that a lot of people don't want a pastor. They want a psychologist. In Matthew 9, 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he, Jesus, was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
Now, the truth is that for some, they don't want a shepherd. They just want a psychologist that they can go and come here and there and get some advice and offload their latest grievance, and on they go to do their own thing again. They don't want somebody that will stop them in their tracks and begin to bring the truth and root, get to the root issues. It's the reason why a lot of people don't ever go to the pastor or don't ever come forth because they don't want that part. They're not interested in it. They'd rather have the little bobblehead pastor on their thing. There's my pastor. You know? And so many will sit in church, same issues, year in and year out. Are you proud of yourself? Because you've changed so little. It really does come down to repentance. That's the root of the issue. Now there is deliverance. And there is radical change. To those that will come on God's terms. The question is do you want to be whole? Are you contending for restoration in your marriage? Do you want to be delivered of your addictions? Are you finally tired of repetitive backsliding? Are you tired of being oppressed? I'm going to read to you, because when I was writing it, I was thinking about this sermon. And as I'm trying to minister and get somebody free, it really came all down to that. I'm going to read to you because some of you need this. This is the prayer you need to pray. I first said repentance fixes all of that. I don't know, but it's nobody sitting here, so don't worry. Lord, I repent and I'm sorry. I'm wrong in ha- how I've handled this situation. I've opened the door for this torment in my life by dwelling on past wrongs, holding resentment towards those who I feel wrong me. I'm repenting today. And letting it go for good. And will no longer blame others for where my life is. And so I will trust you to bless me and direct me. It's the prayer some of you need to pray. Stop with all the emotional pleas and arguments. And get down to the business of repenting and getting free. Stop making excuses for how you are. Stop blaming others. Get rid of your resentment. Forgive, stop hating, stop being a racist, and deal with your rebellion. It's that simple. Isn't that simple? Or whatever it is, and get free. Get delivered through Jesus Christ. It's not rocket science. Jesus didn't make this hard. It's all there available to every single one of us sitting in this place tonight. Jesus wants to bring radical change to your life to the surroundings of your life. He wants to bring healing and deliverance that will last. That's not some far-fetched, oh, I just wish. No, no, it's not wishful thinking. It's reality. That's what Christ offers you. If you're sitting here and you're saying it doesn't work, no, you're not repenting. That's the issue. That's the root. That's what John was sent to bring. That message, get down to the root of it so Jesus could come on the scene and begin to bring miracles to people's lives. And what a powerful thing that God is still doing today 
And it can all begin by what you do at this altar tonight. I want to ask that every head is bowed, every eye is closed as we're opening our hearts. We're allowing God to get as deep as He wants in our lives tonight. As deep as He wants. Getting to the root. When was the last time, let me ask you, when was the last time as a Christian that you were really moved to have to really repent about something? God, I mean, he really smote your heart. Not because you were backslidden, but there was something that was lingering or something that you were allowing or entertaining. And I mean, God smote you because while that may not be a daily occurrence, it should be more frequent than it is in a lot of people's lives. See, but we go go on this attack almost of the Word of God getting deep in us. You know, maybe you're here tonight. You're sitting in this church. Maybe it's the first time in church. Maybe you've been in churches. Maybe you've been here before. But, but let's get to the root of where you're at. You're either right with God or you're not right with God. Now John said that you bring forth fruits worthy or fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, that there's an evidence that repentance has taken place. A lot of people can join a church and talk religiously, but the question is, is there a radical change in your life that began when you said, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. Because that's the encounter you need to have with God. That's the encounter that God wants to have with you. But it begins when we will acknowledge our sin before God. As I'm dealing with this person over the last couple of days, I finally said, look, I've said three times you need to repent and you have not even acknowledged it. Like skirting the issue. Skirting the issue. It's not what they want to hear. Well, if that's not what you want to hear, then I'm not talking to you right now because you're not going to listen. But if that's what you want to hear, you realize that your problem's a sin problem. That's why I'm the way I am. So I've allowed these things in my life that has developed these bondages. And I'm asking for people that do not know Christ right now. Those that are not born again, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're ready to come to repentance tonight and encounter the living God. Now, let me tell you, when you come back from backsliding, it isn't just, oh, we come back and we rejoin church. No, 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 you repent. You radically repent and go on record before God. Uh, I am sorry, Lord. And I want to do right. You may be here and you're not right with God, but you're ready to get right tonight. I want to ask you, you're going to let me pray with you lead you to Jesus. I want you to lift your hand up. God's dealing with you right now. You're ready to get right tonight. You're ready to make that step of repentance. Jesus, I'm ready to receive you in my life. Acknowledge my sin. That's you. Come to Christ. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you right now all across this place. God's dealing with you. You're not right with God. Very clear call. 
Not asking if you go to church or if you believe in God or if you do good things. No, no, you're not right with God. Your heart is not right with God. And the fear of God is still able to get a hold of you and deal with you. You're ready to come tonight. Lift your hand up. God is dealing with you. We want to pray with you and lead you to Jesus. And listen, the result is the bondages break. The torment, the oppression, whatever the issues are, the addictions, the psychological... God begins to do a miracle of restoration. You can't have one without the other. That's the folly of the religious world, that somehow you can have it all and do it your way. It's not possible. And God is calling you to himself. You'd lift your hand if God's dealing with you. Right now, God's dealing with you. Lift it up so I can see it. Is that you? God dealing with you? Who else? Nothing to be ashamed about. It's going to be worse than the day if we die without Christ in our lives and not to face judgment. Trust me, that's going to be a bad, 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 bad day. You don't want to go there. You may be backslidden tonight. God is able to deal with you and show you, you know what? You're not repentant. You may be here, you may attend this church a lot, but you're not repentant. But tonight, God is getting a hold of your heart, and He's bringing you to that place, and God is drawing you to Himself. You say, that's me, I'm ready to get my heart right tonight. Pray with me, I want you to lift your hand. God's dealing with you right now. Who's that? God's dealing with you. Ready to get my heart right. Pastor preached to young people this morning and I could tell he was a little disheartened at the lack of response because you're not being honest. You're not being honest. There's a good segment of our young people. I'm just going on record. You can chastise me if you want, but I know them. They are not saved. A good segment of our young people, they are not saved. Need to get saved. Can God deal with you tonight? It's time to repent. It's not time to do any more of the church game. Go through the motions. It's time to repent. And God's calling you all across this place. You're not right with God. Come to Jesus. You've never been saved or you're backslidden. And God's calling you. Lift your hand up. Because this is where the axe gets laid to the root of the tree right here. This is where the axe gets laid to the root of the tree. This is the scary part of the whole ministry of John. Because every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Okay, you lifted your hand. You were honest. Would you come? I have somebody walk with you. He's going to walk with you. Come on up. God's going to help you. Somebody else, would you come? Thank you. Come. Jesus came to bring deliverance ministry, to restore, to renew. Cannot happen without repentance. And you know, it's possible to be be the Esau of our generation. Just very, very carnal. And God gives him opportunity. Look, if you do right, won't you be accepted as well? And we get all kinked and twisted in our spirit. No, 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 no. Search your heart. Search your heart. Why is it always somebody else's fault that you're the way you are? You're the one, the last I checked, that makes the decisions for your life. So will you decide to come and repent at the altar 
God, I'm sorry that I've held on to these things. I've allowed this to taint me. I've allowed this, whatever it is. God, I'm sorry. I'm going to repent tonight. And there's some of you, you're in a cloud right now. Matter of fact, you're making some real big decisions with your life that are not good, that are going to show themselves in the near future. Unless God gets a hold of you, it's not going to be good. But tonight, God can get a hold of you, and all of a sudden, everything can change. Everything. Some of you, you're oppressed coming in and going out. It's time to take a stand and say, no more of this. I'm going to dwell upon the things that are above. I'm going to challenge God for my deliverance. I'm not going to accept this dysfunction in my life, this dysfunction in my emotions. I'm ready to come before God and call Him into my situation. Try it. See what happens. I realize it's not repentance for everybody here. But you settled. You settled. God says, no, 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 I'm not done. If you'll press in, if you'll cry out, if you'll look towards heaven, God will set you free. That's what we're going to believe God for at this altar. I'm going to ask you to stand. If God is speaking to you, I want you to come and make a place. And let's really challenge God tonight. Listen, Jesus came for that ministry. That's still what he does today. He has not changed. He is here to bring deliverance through salvation. But we can get so carnal and off the beaten path. You know how you get back on? Just repent. You don't have to do backflips for God and go through all these motions. Just repent. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. And all of a sudden, something changes. It's a miracle. Look, it isn't something some preacher can do. It's something God does. It's a God thing tonight. But you have to be honest and stop blaming your life, your circumstances and everything on somebody else or something else. Because you can't do that on the day of judgment. God's not going to hear it. He has made a provision for every one of us. We are all responsible of how we apply that provision to our lives. Are you going to keep living in your oppression and your dysfunction? Or are you going to get set free by the power of God and rise up and begin to live for God powerfully again? Oh, God, help us tonight. God, let there be a shifting in lives. Lord, miracle power be made available right now. Break the yoke of bondage and affliction, Lord. God, heal the dysfunction. God, bring miracles in marriages. Lord, sick bodies, diseased bodies, Lord, you came uh, that by your stripes they would be made whole. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we stand on your truth. We stand in your mercy. We thank you for your long-suffering towards us, Lord. For that abundant grace that is extended to every life here, Lord. Help your people.
You know, let me just say this because it's on my mind. You know, rebellion is a hard spell to break in your life. You know, once you've bitten of the apple of rebellion, and you know what's worse yet is not just that you've entered in rebellion, but you've spoken against authority. That's not one that you just kind of trounce back in and plot yourself back in your place. No, there has to be radical repentance for that one to change. Radical repentance, or it's not going to work. Let me, let me tell you, it's one thing to backslide and just go out and love the world. It's a whole other thing to backslide and you badmouth the people of God or badmouth the church or badmouth authority. That folds in a whole other level into your spirit that you don't just shake off when you decide to. You have to get the fear of God in you and repent. And when you do, it will be evident to all that behold, wow, they repented. Something changed in their life. I don't know. I feel that one heavy on me. And, 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 and I feel that applies to more than probably I think. Numbers of people. Fold something in. And you're not in control of this. You know, once sin is birthed, you know, think about what, what he told Cain. Think about what, what God told Cain. If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. So think about that. So if you're unwilling to come on God's terms of repentance and do right, it's only going to get worse for you because sin is waiting and crouching and it's going to pounce on you. Let's stand to our feet. Keep your heads bowed right in your place. God help us. I thank God every day for His long suffering. That means in really His patience because God is a a patient God. He really is. And, and He really is a merciful God. He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But you know, the truth is, some aren't going to come to repentance. But I believe there's enough of a conviction here tonight. And even, you, you know, even, even when there's small things but God can deal with us, that's a good thing. It doesn't always have to be this gross sin that we're indulging in that we have to get convicted. It's just little things that God can convict us about. That's a good thing. That's a healthy heart. Some of you are far removed from the day God can convict you even on big things. We're going to pray tonight. And I'm just going to, a random prayer, whatever applies to you. I want you to pray it, but whatever applies to you. I would say that your better prayers are going to be after this altar call in your own private place, talking to God about what he's dealing with you about tonight. But I want you to pray with the old God in heaven. I thank you that you are merciful. You are long-suffering. But God, I don't want to take advantage of that. Lord, my heart is open tonight. You've searched it and you've made it known to me. And for this, I repent. And you just name under your breath the things God's dealing with you about. I repent of, and you can name it under your breath. And I lay it at this altar. 
Say that. I lay it at this altar. God, I am walking away from the blame game. God, I am letting go of all resentment, all bitterness, anger, and hatred. And I am sorry. I'm asking you to forgive me. God, I need a miracle tonight. And by the blood of Jesus, I break every curse, the spirit of oppression. You foul and tormenting spirit, be loosed from my life. I break the curse of infirmity, sickness, and disease. I cast it down by the blood of Jesus. God, I'm asking you for your miracle ministry Your miracle deliverance. Uh, Touch my life tonight. Uh, In the name of Jesus Christ, uh, begin to worship Him. Father, we thank You. Uh, Oh, contend before God right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord and Savior, righteous King. Oh, God, miracle deliverance in Jesus' name. Break the yoke at this altar tonight. Oh, Holy Spirit, have right of way. He corre bebe rosso. Oh God, you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords, uh, righteous and holy. Uh, hallelujah, Rabasanda Rakando Robose. Worthy is our God, we thank you, Lord. Uh, God, I speak deliverance. Uh, oh, the power of God, break every yoke in Jesus' name. Uh, Hallelujah, my Lord and my Savior, righteous King, we thank you, Robo Samande. Thank you, Lord. Thank God. There's deliverance. Don't settle. Don't settle. And I realize not everybody's issue is some deep repentance, but we have to go there if we're going to get to the root, right? We've got to go there. But don't settle. Don't accept oppression as your portion. Don't accept dysfunction as your portion. Your life is not based upon circumstances. It's based upon Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord. He does not change. Claim that. Live that. Let that be a part of who you are. Watch what God will do. Watch the miracle power. See, what repentance really does, true repentance, is it gives our lives over to His Lordship. And that's what a lot of people aren't willing to do because they want to be in control. They want to hold on to certain things and have certain manipulative points in their lives and or that whole thing, I'm not ready. Well, you're never going to be ready. According to the Bible, it's not you that decides I'm going to get saved. It's God that draws you. And if, when God is drawing you, you say, no, there's no guarantee that draw is going to come again. That's the thing. So if you'll just surrender. And I know some of you are going to take it home. And you're going to forge this through. God's going to help you. 
find you a prayer closet. Get a hold of God. But you know what? What did God say to you? Are you ready and willing to repent? Because if you do that, radical change. Okay? Let me go one step further. I know you hate it when the preacher intrudes like this. But it means that what will happen is you'll return to the days of old in your life. That's right. The thing that we always say was we have all of our justifications of why we're lukewarm now. You will return to the days of old in your life when you really get a hold of what I'm talking about. That'll be the evidence. I know. I just jacked you all up. That's okay. So I need you to back up a little. All the kids, teenagers, kids, and whoever's in college, there may be young adults, all of those going back to school, school age, whether they're homeschooled, public school, doesn't matter, private school, we're going to pray for them. Uh, We're going to dedicate this school year and their lives. I want you to come and don't be shy, crunch in. I know there's a lot of you, just keep coming, just bring them all up in the front, just crunch them all right in here, okay? We, We desperately, listen folks, we desperately need God to move among our youth. You know, I I was thinking a lot about what Pastor Stevens preached this morning because it was very profound about our responsibility as parents. And and a lot of us, we've we've lost the ability to take stands and be unpopular with our kids. Very, very bad decision to make, by the way. But we do it because we don't want to be unpopular with them. We don't want them to, to, you know... Have to go to school and be the only ones that don't, and you fill in the blank. Well, first of all, we are Christians. There are things we don't do that the world does, right? Keep keep filling them in all across. There's a lot of room in the front. Bring them in. And we need a Holy Ghost element upon our children. We need a dimension of God's grace and power and anointing. And we need our schools to have radical Christians. You know, this is my take on it, okay? If I'm conflicting with a parent, it's, this is my take on it. Go get radical. If they throw you out, so be it. So be it. They're God-forsaken places if, if God's people don't rise up in there. They're God-forsaken. Judgment is going to fall on our schools and already is in all the nonsense that's happening within it. You you know what? I'm going to put this out there. All right, hopefully I'm not out of line here. You know what I'd like to see? This is my personal thing. There are people here you are skilled. You maybe don't know what you want to do, where you're going to go, but there are people that are skilled. I would love to see, and and not necessarily a school that we establish, because I don't know... If we can do that, that's a hard prospect. But a a homeschool network of of those that are qualified that we can send our kids to and pay you to educate them. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. You know, I have a grandson now that we've just put in preschool. And thank God there is a, a good private school here. But we've already decided he's not going to the public schools here. They're an absolute disaster. Not just on a moral level, but on a teaching level. Everything is dumbed down. You know, when my daughters came over from Houston, they were in a, a, a relatively high academic setting. And the honors classes here are easier than the regular classes over there. 
When my kids went into honors over there, it was so overwhelming they had to back off. It was so intense. It's just like giving you a pass to, and then it's it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And so, and I know a a lot of you can't do that. Either you don't have the funding or you work and, and you have to put your kids in public school. And I'm not, hey, listen, my kids went through public school from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, okay? So I, I, I'm, all, I'm all into that if it has to be. But some of you, okay, they're, they're lost, they're broken, they're dysfunctional. On a high level, they're dysfunctional. You're going to go into the schools and you have the answer and you don't have to be obnoxious and in their face, but, but they need to hear the gospel. We're going to pray for you also. God's going to keep you from the hour of temptation. Because I know it's a big one with young people. It's the temptation that it just imposes itself on you. And you have to stand and develop a network among yourselves uh, that you can talk and text and keep connections uh, on the things of God that you can get through your day and that God will give you the ability to be a witness for Christ. Okay? So I want you to lift your hands, all the young people here at the altar, and I want you to pray this with me. And then when I'm finished praying, I'm just going to ask children's church workers to help me, Ernie to help me. We're just going to lay hands and confer the anointing of God upon them in Jesus' name. Pray with me, O oh God in heaven. By the blood of Jesus, God, I commit my life before you as a living sacrifice. God, I'm asking you to give me a boldness. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, place your anointing on my life. God, enable me that I would overcome this world and the things of this world. Lord, use my life for your glory. Cause me to look upon people with compassion and give me words to speak that will set them free. God, let me be fruitful in my school And I pray this uh, and I commit myself to you for this end uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's begin to worship as we pray uh, in the name of Jesus. uh, Oh, I convey the anointing, the consecration uh, of your spirit, my God, in Jesus' name. uh, Oh, by the blood of Jesus, touch tonight, Father. uh, Touch tonight in Jesus' name. uh, Oh. God, a conveying of anointing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, convey your blessing, God, anointing by the Holy Ghost, consecration and renewal in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord, we thank you and worship you, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Worthy. Just begin to give him praise. We thank you tonight, Lord. Oh, God, consummate this service tonight by your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, worthy of Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise. Amen. Go in the power of His Spirit. Amen. Look for opportunities. They're all around you.
Some of you may say, oh, I'm shy. You know what? I was as shy as they came. But once I got filled with the Holy Ghost, began to think differently, something changed. So take a few flyers with me, with you. They break the ice and see what God will do. And you see, see the glory of God that's going to come upon you. Amen. Let's claim these schools for Jesus Christ. And don't be afraid. Amen. Thank God. So we've had a great day. We're going to go. There is morning prayer. Don't forget. Um, open the doors at 6 o'clock. Let's be praying, laying a hold of God. So many needs. Uh, minister to one another. Encourage one another. We're bowing our heads. We're dismissing. I'm going to ask if um, Isaac Thompson would lift his voice and dismiss us tonight.